Granddad was a priest in Trinidad. Used to tell us when there's no more room in hell, the podcasters will walk the earth. Dawn of the Dead, coming up next. Haven't seen it with Kim Sestito and Tommy Tevenay. Hello, everybody. Welcome on in. Thank you all so much for listening today. This is a podcast where one of us is watching a movie for the very first time. And today, that person is myself watching my first Romero zombie movie. So is this isn't your first zombie movie in general, right? Because no, seen... I, I've seen zombie movies and stuff like Shaun of the Dead and like yeah. have you watched The Walking Dead at all, at least. No, Shaun of the You're Dead not... might might be the only zombie movie I've ever seen. To be completely honest with you, there. Well, it, it is my favorite one. So, but uh, this is right up there too. So, uh, first impressions. What do you think of zombies in this? <laughs> I liked how humanistic they are. Mm-hmm. I like that they're real that they're there um if i have one complaint to make before we dive deep into the film it's the fact that there's like five different versions of this movie and trying (laughs) to find a stream of this movie i literally had to call tommy and be like why can't i find this movie where is the streaming i'm typing in on the amazon fire stick dawn of the dead romero zombie movies and the only one that's popping up is the Zack snyder one from 2004 i'm like yeah. tommy like i'm calling him i'm like dude what is going on here and then he's like all right i don't go need- on, just go on youtube you, they're, they're all there i'm like i go on youtube i search it there's like five different versions of the movie full i'm like what am i picking here what is this so so that was apparently a thing i looked it up uh dario agento the italian filmmaker he had the international rights to the cut of this so he made a bunch of cuts of it there. And then there was like cuts of like less gore in it, more humor. And apparently all physical copies of Dawn of the Dead on DVD and Blu-ray are out of print right now because the producer um, uh, like just hiked up the price of the licensing fee just because he made a 3D version of this movie. Um, and he spent so much money into it that now it's just like impossible to get this on Blu-ray or DVD. <laughs> so because he made a 3D version of this movie, which this movie would be horrible in 3d oh no i actually saw in 3d uh over the summer it, they were playing at the new york city museum of modern art the producer was there the original star of the movie was there the 3d actually really worked especially in scenes like where the zombies pop out of the elevator and stuff like that really almost, interesting yeah so you, that happens you're like oh oh god the zombies are right there <laughs> that's interesting i'm guessing that was made circa 2010 ish when they when 3D was at, remember 3D TVs? Do you remember yeah. those? Remember when they were like, "This is the future. You're gonna have to sit and wear glasses." No one, no one ever watched a baseball game. The only thing that ever caught on in was like, in this is the end when they get high and watch the 3D TVs because that was the only time I ever heard 3D TVs get brought up ever. <laughs> That's some killer uh, product placement right there. That's what yeah. that is, and it was very effective, clearly, because the sales of 3d tvs like do you think if i went on ebay right now i could get a 3d tv for like 50 bucks probably people are just like oh god why did i buy this well because james cameron made avatar and then everyone's like oh we gotta do 3d <laughs> aping industry that's what this film industry is they just ape off of everything 
speaking of a movie that has been aped, Dawn of the Dead. In 1968, George Romero brought us Night of the Living Dead. It became the classic horror film of its time. Now, George Romero brings us the most intensely shocking motion picture experience for all times. Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead contains scenes of violence that may be considered shocking. No one under 17 will be admitted. Finally, a zombie apocalypse film set in a shopping mall. Look no further than the George Romero classic, Dawn of the Dead, from 1978. If you want to live out your fantasy of having everything you could possibly want right at your fingertips, look no further than this wildly original film. Made in an era when filmmakers had full control, little did Romero know, 30 years later, that creatively bankrupt studio executives would rip it off to make a cheap buck. Now, what kind of director could they get if they were going to remake this? Hmm. I wonder. <laughs> now, Tommy, you famously love the original, right? Uh, or not I mean, the original, the, the remake. I mean, I mean, I love both versions, but they're two wildly different movies. Um, the, this movie is more of like a character study, like a less like there's only really four main characters, really. And it's focused on them, whereas the Zack Snyder version is like a balls-to-the-wall action movie. I remember I saw Shaun the Dead and Dawn the Dead remake in the same weekend, and then I became a horror fan ever since. So that's where it started. So that was the start of it? That was the start of your obsession with this genre? Yeah, essentially. I mean, those were the first two horror movies I ever got really into. And then, like, I remember they played on, like, Comedy Central uh, for Sean, Sci-Fi Channel for the Dawn of the Dead remake. And I was like, okay, zombies, I'm in. Horror movies, what else is there? <laughs> so tell me, what, what are, like, the some of the bigger differences between the remake of Dawn of the Dead and the original? Well, um, I, I think that the remake is a kind of, like, the perfect example of a remake. Like, we we're talking back, uh, back on the thing where it's the same concept, you know, zombies in a mall. But the execution is wildly different. In Zack Snyder's version, the zombies are fast and running at you. It's pretty much like a full marathon sprint kind of zombie. And in that aspect, in the Dawn of the Dead remake, there's like 20 characters. And really, you don't really get enough time with a lot of the characters. It's just more so just going from set piece to set piece. It's like an action movie. And this is more slow. You really just get characters. This movie, the original movie becomes a hangout movie at one point, you know? They it's like a half an hour of them just enjoying life at the mall. Yeah, it's great. It's probably like some of my favorite scenes in the movie. So I mean, I, I think the re, uh, the remake is fun, but this is the original is a lot better. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, this is a this is a movie a a chaotic movie, and from what I was reading behind the scenes, it was kind of chaotic film filming it, mm -hmm. and they kind of had to make a lot of the the uh sequences up on the spot and i think it gives this movie that this like level of authenticity to it that other movies don't like the improv nature of having to do everything on the fly right mm -hmm. that really works in this movie's favor whereas in other kinds of of movies of this kind of Oak and Kin, I, I don't necessarily know if it would work as well. Yeah, because sometimes, I mean, there's some things I love about this movie is that, like, this movie, for example, has very distinctive zombies. 
which I think is the best part of like any zombie movie. I mean, that's a hallmark of a good one. We have visually distinct ones. Like, tell me, what was your favorite zombie in this movie? If you had to call one out, <laughs> I don't know about a favorite zombie because there's a lot of zombies, and I really like how how many extras did they have to use? Like five hundred at least. Yeah, yeah. So apparently, Tom Zavini like had a crew of eight people, and they would spend like uh, just like the whole time or every shoot just getting 200, 300 zombies just made up and just like, it's crazy because nowadays, you know, like World War Z, the Brad Pitt movie just had CGI zombies at some points. You know, it's not the same level of dedication to it. <laughs> well, I think the other thing you I think of when I'm watching like a zombie movie is that they're not human anymore. And I think there was a connection between like having these people just be very simply face painted, light blue, it was exactly what they, you know, it, it kept, it made it connected because like the overarching narrative, quote unquote, of this survival movie, because this movie is really just a hangout movie in a mall with zombies in it. Yeah. Is that the there's a parasite that's making people into zombies. They don't call them that, but they hunt for human flesh and you get the radio and television broadcast throughout the the movie that kind of shows the different like like how on a national scale they're they're looking at this how they're treating this and like having them almost look like your neighbor but just slightly different it allows you to connect it where a lot of different modern zombie properties between movies tv games whatever they're all kind of like crawling out of the ground and no longer humanoid, you know, like the faces are completely melt up. Like they look like orcs, basically. Yeah, they look like just like real monsters where it's just like the flesh is peeling off and it's like cool special effects, but you don't really get as much of a human element right there. Whereas this movie just has scenes of like literally the zombies just walking around the mall, especially towards the end of the movie. And it's hilarious because it's just like really just George Romero commenting on like how much consumer culture sucks or it's just like yeah this would be the exact same thing people would just be walking around the mall you're literally a zombie when you're going around consumer shopping <laughs> yeah that there's definitely that part of it romero's commentary on consumerism on capitalism what people are like on their day-to-day -day. is there any really that big of a difference and like think about how the way the zombies kind of attack people look at clips from black friday i mean that didn't really exist back then, but it was a good indication of behavior. The people that storm those stores on Thanksgiving mm -hmm. are basically zombies for, for a $400 TV. Yeah. Just stampeding and everything like that. It's just like mobs of people. So you really get just get to see the connection really great in this one. You asked what my favorite zombie was. I think my favorite moment in regards to a zombie was when they went out, the, the trio guys went out to mm. um, lock the door and they go and um, the the woman, uh, what's her name? Uh, Francine, play, played mm. by Galen Ross. Mm. She locks the department store door, where, which was basically like their hub area. Mm. And there's a guy in a baseball uniform oh. who's like on the floor banging. And it's just her, like, relieved that they can't get through it and her just looking at him. And she's <laughs> pregnant, so I think she's a little more insightful into the fact that these were once people. Yeah. And it kind of drive, you know, I think it, it's driving her a little crazy that something happened. 
also mm-hmm. I, I to this movie's credit i'm so glad they don't try to explain the science or the logic mm-hmm. behind it it's just a zombie outbreak we don't need to know exactly i, I mean if, if they try to over explain it, it'd be too much but um of course you pick the baseball zombie that would be your favorite um yeah staying on brand right there mine was probably the monk zombie that was up there the, the monk, monk was really good the yeah that was really good i like the nun where she's stuck in the door and then yeah. francine like lets <laughs> her out and she like yeah wanders off and then there's the nurse zombie that ends up in like every single goddamn shot somehow in her little nurse outfit <laughs> So, I mean, it's it's just great because these are things I keep on picking up on when I watch this movie you know, over and over again. Whereas, you know, I've seen some zombie movies where it's just like they don't even look like people. They just look like just random like shadow monsters, practically. <laughs> so it's, it's weird because I, I haven't seen Night of the Living Dead, but I know that kind of created the rule set of mm-hmm. zombie movies. Like like these two movies are kind of like the grandfather of them all for in terms of like zombie movies. And all the rules that any zombie property follows nowadays is an homage to these movies. Yeah, pretty much. Like uh, I'd say, Night of Living Dead's kind of like his proof of concept right there. Um, the problem with that movie uh, for George is that somehow they fucked up the copyright um, on on that movie. So that movie's now in the public domain, even though it was made in the '60s. You can literally watch it on YouTube for free, but not in the way we did it like Down the Dead, which was probably you know us breaking a copyright law. You know, FBI, sorry. But um, FBI you know, agent who's watching this recording, it was <laughs> it was just to record this. It was for no other reason. I my first my first watch yesterday was on my DVD, so I, I was legal, Timmy. I don't know you. You might be. <laughs> Listen, FBI agent, I tried. <laughs> you can watch the tape back of me speaking into an Alexa remote like a total moron trying to find this <laughs> and you have the copy of me and tommy calling being like where can i get this movie and he's like it's only on youtube man <laughs> well um but yeah pretty much just like you know the, this one just up the ante in terms of like this was just like the real full proof of, of concept or just like the tom savini makeup effects are just so great like the blood kind of looks like cartoonish in a way but it works for the tone of this film because it's kind of like a cartoony comic booky kind of thing going yeah. Oh yeah, it's got it's got that. Well, there's a lot of moments of humor sprinkled in through throughout this movie. I really like at the beginning when they get away because it opens with with Roger and Francine who are just in the in the TV studio execs like running away, and then we're introduced mm-hmm. to Stephen and Peter who are like these SWAT teams in some. You got to mix up Roger and Stephen or, or uh, uh, the other guys. Yeah. Okay, so so Stephen and Francine. Yeah, and then roger and peter sorry they all have like generic people names and the characters don't really get defined in this movie too much like they don't really spend a ton of time defining their characters yeah i mean steven's more called flyboy than he is by his real name so yeah so (laughs) flyboy and francine yeah peter and roger the swat team duo that are just kind of like cracking skulls in some inner city like apartment complex they meet up at this helicopter port that's not really explained either why they all just get together there but they fly away and this is just one of the first moments of like real levity because the first 10 minutes of this movie are insanely tense yeah like it's really tense and then this is a nice moment to remind you like hey we're gonna crack some we're gonna crack some jokes in here hey you got any cigarettes any of you guys got cigarettes no i'm sorry where you headed down river. We got an idea. Maybe we can make it to the islands. 
What island? Any island. What about you? Where are you headed? Straight up. So yeah, I just I love moments of of levity in in movies like this that are tense, mm-hmm. uh, especially in the facial express expressions of the actor who's like, "Oh, what's your plan? We're trying to go to an island. What island? Any island? Yeah. Where are you guys <laughs> headed off to? Up? It's like, oh, that's a pretty good idea. Just so dopey. And meanwhile, this guy's like main priority in the apocalypse is." Hey, do you have some cigarettes? Can I get some fucking cigarettes over here? It's just like this guy has his priorities straight. And, you know, it's just like survival is one thing, but cigarettes, you know, that's that's top tier right there. <laughs> to be fair, I, I don't smoke cigarettes, but if I was going to smoke cigarettes, zombie apocalypse would probably <laughs> make the list in terms of, yeah. of when I would do it. Tommy, what is your zombie apocalypse plan? We have to ask the question. It's the most generic question ever. But it's it's a the most generic movie. question. I, I was such a goddamn zombie nerd when I was in high school that I'd take those like quizella quids of like what's uh, how'd you survive the zombie apocalypse? Um, I'd probably go to like a Walmart or a mall like this movie and just like you know get everything I need right there. Like find a liquor store nearby so I have some entertainment and like in my zombie apocalypse plan, the electricity never goes out, so I still have like electricity to play like you know, Xbox or some shit. Oh my just, God. Tom, <laughs> just hole up at a GameStop wherever and just like find, <laughs> you literally can't get through a zombie apocalypse without 2k. Are you fucking kidding me, dude? Well, oh yeah. Well, my I mean, manager, I... I could just put my credit card and I can blindly make those microtransactions. Cause it's the zombie apocalypse. It's oh, a well, zo- who, cares? who cares about my credit score? <laughs> That's not going to matter anymore. Well, yeah. I mean, at, at that point, you know, I need something to keep me sane and apparently that's 2k. So <laughs> Have that going for me? Very on brand for you. <laughs> what, what's 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 your one? Do you do you have a specific one? <laughs> a specific one? Um, I would definitely arm myself to the gills, and I would probably make my way into the woods, like just get as far away from civilization as possible. Yeah, you see, I'm the person that Romero's like fucking like criticizing, like oh, you stupid consumer. Whereas you're the one that's just like the survivalist. It's just like, ah, I'm going to live out in the woods. I got this. Oh, I mean, <laughs> I'm not making it long in the woods, but that's where yeah. I'm going. <laughs> yeah, that, that's your strategy. My, mine would probably just be like getting like killed on the first day, even though like I've seen all the zombie movies, just because like I try to like uh, run to the store. Like when quarantine happened, I remember one of the things I did was I ran the GameStop because I heard that GameStop was going to close. <laughs> Tommy. <laughs> Prior- priorities right there. So, I mean, like, you know, <laughs> I can just say this is all incredibly on brand for the folks at home. Like none of this is surprising me. So, um, I mean, there's one thing, a little transition here, but like, I love like the news reports in this movie, how they dole it out. It kind of gives it almost a documentary feel and watching this movie in, you know, kind of a post COVID lens. It kind of reminds me sometimes of like the beginning of how COVID started of just like, just chaos on the news where no one understood what was happening. And just the confusion that comes from that. Yeah, actually, I have a clip here of of that moment, right? Of them realizing how watching it break down on the national scale, like having the doctor in there, they're looking to this broadcast as a beacon of hope. And each time it just gets worse and worse and worse. 
Dummies! Suggesting Dummies! Dummies! Excuse me. Listen, quiet, quiet. Shh. One wonders whether it's worth saving. It's worth saving. For all I know, the brains are already dead, and it's the idiots that are still alive. And I figured out how to stay alive, too. And I'm trying to help you, dummies. In your calm, helping way, you do irritate people by the illogical way. Illogical hell. Illogical hell. I'm showing you a way that we can up the food supply 20 times. For the food supply for who? For a whole specimen that is walking around there in increasing numbers. We should feed them? What else are you going to do with them? God. Give me an alternative. I thought you scientists could come up with an actual way to solve the problem rather than feeding the opposition. Doesn't make any sense. Well, I. It, it's just chaos on the broadcast. It's everything mm. you want it's it's any viral clip from a news studio that's that's what this is right it's yeah it's people just, just bickering at the end of their wits having no actual answers for a problem they can't even really define other than like what it is but they can't define why it is mm-hmm. that just like the meltdown right there in the studio where i mean like like i said it reminds me a lot of like two years ago of covid i mean obviously covid didn't get to the extent that zombies did but you can see the parallels right there of a pandemic. <laughs> I guess. I mean, people trapped in one place, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, most storefronts closed or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you had just have this renegade crew of of people s- sitting in there uh, in a mall, just holding it down. And I thought that's what made the ending interesting, because there's basically, like, they kill all the zombies in the mall. Mm-hmm. They have the, the mall to themselves. And then basically it's just a half an hour of them using the mall to its fullest extent. Just like the arcades, like arcade games looked insane back then, but uh, you know, just fine dining, just like everything. It's the perfect quarantine spot because just you have everything right there for you. <laughs> and I think it, it was interesting because one of the things I was noticing, because when I clicked the runtime, you know, most horror movies are 90 to 95 minutes. Mm-hmm. If that this was two and hours and seven minutes long runtime, which I was very surprised about, like going in, and it didn't mm. feel its length. But I was ex I wasn't expecting it to be that long, and I really like that Romero took the time to let it play out like that, like mm-hmm. to give us the the idea of being like because everybody's sitting there in the theater watching this movie and going, well, what do I do if I just have a free access to a mall? that i live in mm. with all the products still there yeah and it just gives you the, the idea right there i mean like the remake doesn't have this kind of feel to it where they don't have moments to let the characters breathe really at all so that's what's lacking now and like you know a more modern version of this the i don't think audiences would have the patience really to get through of just like 30 minutes of the characters just hanging out and that's why personally i love this movie so tommy you told me you were like, I could watch a five hour cut of this movie. What moments would you want in that movie? I mean, honestly, just like more of them be hanging out in the mall and just like, uh, you know, seeing what the bikers are up to or like seeing like more of the news studio and how that broke down. I mean, there's just so much of just the world building right here that just seems great to me in a way. You know, um, there's just so much stuff like just like of them, the arcade hanging out or just like even 
you know, the movie ends with them on the helicopter and it's just like, okay, what happens next? So <laughs> it's kind of crazy thinking about just like, you know, what would go on and on and on, you know, with, with this movie. Um, uh, there's one thing I wanted to bring up um, about how the walking dead in the walking dead, uh, Robert Kirkman made the walking dead because he said, you know, zombie movies, they end at the end of it. And then we don't see what the end is at all. And we want to see that go on. And not we want to see that be the continuation. I was talking about the walking dead. <laughs> You're talking about the walking dead. Tommy, I was here the whole time. I just dozed <laughs> off because you were talking about the walking dead. Uh, so yeah, I mean, what, what I was saying was like uh, Robert Kurtman, he created The Walking Dead, uh, the comic, because he said like, you know, every zombie movie just ends and yet there's still so much story to be told. What if we made a zombie movie that just never ended? And that's what, you know, <laughs> now we have like 12 seasons of The Walking Dead. So I don't know, <laughs> maybe a little too much. Well, I, I'm kind of surprised that this didn't end up becoming franchised, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I know that they make Day of the Dead in 1985 but this movie was made on a six hundred thousand dollar budget which with the makeup effects like blows my mind Mm -hmm. to be frank with you but i mean you see where the other budget cuts are made like it's shot in with using using fluorescent lights like i don't think there's a ton of like creative flat like flashy creative camera work or like on that Mm -hmm. cinematography side right like that's not what this movie's about no but the the creativity from the filmmaking comes in the way that they fight the zombies and like I mean you feel it in the last fifteen minutes of the movie right mm-hmm. when when uh, the the biker gang led by Tom Savini breaks into the mall because they're like they see the helicopter flying yeah that's all I need to know um, and Savini with the mustache uh, what's what's it called fucking comb <laughs> he's just so far perfectly campy it's just like the easy rider just like basic generic uh biker gang right there <laughs> i i like that that they because i was sitting there wondering i'm like how are how, like what are they going to do to end this like they have a fortress to protect from the zombies but i didn't account for humans mm. ending up being the villain and i guess that's another theme too it's like humans destroy humans right yeah i mean because at the end of the day zombie movies it's just really just the setting and what comes out of it is the human drama and for me, the human drama really works here. Whereas a show like The Walking Dead, I think a lot of people got sick of that because it's just like there's some episodes where there'd be no zombies and just be people talking. And the human drama wasn't compelling enough to justify the lack of zombies. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've heard the first season of The Walking Dead's incredible. And then mm-hmm. like when that was when, um, what's his name? The guy from the Shawshank Redemption, Frank uh, Darabont. Fr- yeah. Frank Darabont like wasn't fully in control of that first season. And then I think he left after that first or second season. Right. And then he, the, yeah. or just executive producer and title alone or whatever, but he wasn't hands-on with the experience and obviously got away from the graphic novel too. Um, mm-hmm. I can't believe that it's just still on the air. Like it's finishing it its run right now. I think this is its final season and it's season like 11 or 12, but even then like AMC just horning up that franchise where like, they're doing so many spinoffs now because they just want to keep that cash grab going. <laughs> to be fair to them, though, like they had what Breaking Bad, Mad Men, uh, mm-hmm. Break, Breaking Bad got the spinoff. But like their two most premier shows don't have the kind of branchability that a zombie apocalypse never ending pulling from graphic novels would have. Yeah, I mean, you can see because it's literally just the, do a zombie show in a different setting. 
you know, do zombie show and whatever, and like fucking Europe and France or whatever, just over and over and over again. There's limitless possibilities. So you can see why I go over and over, but it kind of feels meandering at a certain point. <laughs> when did you stop watching The Walking Dead? Like, what was the breaking off point for you? I watched up until season five. And the main reason why I stopped watching was because my college radio show uh, was scheduled during season five when season five was premiering. And by that point, I was like, this is like homework. I don't, I, 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 it's a slog right now just to get through this. (laughs) That's just why I never picked it up. And like, I remember being in college and it'd be like season three, people be like, it's just not as good as it was. And that's a really bad sign for a show. Yeah. And you're hearing that in season three and not in like season seven, season eight. Like that's when it's expected. You yeah. expect <laughs> at least five quality seasons from a show. <laughs> so, I mean, thankfully, I mean, this movie, I mean, like, you know, we didn't get like the Emma spinoffs of it, whereas, you know, it could have diluted the message where, but I think that like two hour runtime was perfect. I mean, I've seen extended cuts of this and they still work for me, but I think the theatrical cut that we watched was just the perfect amount of runtime. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. So behind the scenes, I kind of mentioned that it was the chaotic, improvised shoot, right? They had very limited time, very limited budget. Yeah, so... I know you have a couple of stories there, Tommy. Um, So this movie actually filmed in a real mall, whereas the remake, they just built the mall because Hollywood money. But, you know, they had filmed in the uh, Monroeville Mall in, uh, what, Monroe- Monroeville, Pennsylvania. And... um. Basically, filming at the mall began around 10 p.m. shortly after the mall closed and finished at 6 a.m. Um, the mall didn't open until 10:30, but at 6 a.m. the music came on in the mall, and no one knew how to turn it off, so they had just like a very limited window. <laughs> There's some points in the movie, like that one scene where um, you hear like the PA speaker be like, "Attention shoppers, there's a great treat for you." I like to imagine that that was just accidental, and that just came on, and they're just like, "All right, fuck it, we're gonna keep it in the movie." <laughs> Well, in like the creative spirit of this movie, they probably heard it every time it came on like 6 a.m. and they found a way to work the audio into the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, So extras, I mean, like we said, there's like 200 or 300 extras here. Uh, They were all given one dollar, a donut and a Dawn of the Dead (laughs) T-shirt. Hell yeah. I bet that Dawn of the, if you still have that Dawn of the Dead T-shirt, you want to talk about a good investment that would sell for a couple thousand easily. Yeah, you could easily probably just get that. So, I mean. At a certain point in the movie, they were going to have it where the ending was going to be that Peter and Francine were going to kill themselves. And you can kind of see it in like the final cut a little bit. Oh, yeah. Where Peter like has the gun to his head and like he's about to shoot. But then at the last second, he has this like John Wayne moment where he's like uh, like going in, like, you know, triumphant music. But originally the movie was going to end. He was going to shoot himself as the zombies were coming in. And Francine was going to put her um, head up to helicopter blades and, you know, get decapitated that way. And the credits were going to be the helicopter slowly just run out of fuel. So it's like, oh, even if they escaped, they wouldn't have gotten far. But George Romero realized, like, yo, this is a comic book movie. Kind of like, I can't really have that dour ending to this. So he instead made the ending that he did. And they uh, apparently made, like, the head for Francine to get it cut off. And instead, like, they're like, we can't waste this. So Tom Zavini made that the opening headshot, <laughs> you know, like the head exploding in the beginning. In the in the apartment building, right? Yeah, he repurposed it to make it look like more of just like a and he like put random... like a be- he put like a beard on it, right? And it just, yeah, yeah. it looks so <laughs> off, especially yeah. compared to some of the other ones that are really clean. Yeah, so I mean, thankfully, it's only like a, like a five seconds thing. You see it, so it works. But <laughs> it's just like you know the kind of things they have to do in this kind of production where it's low budget. That you know they have to repurpose things over and over. 
I feel like one of the things that these kind of movies have, they just have so much charm when they're made with all these practical effects mm-hmm. that CG just doesn't carry. Like CG just felt feels a little more feels soulless. Like mm-hmm. when you're going back and watching these movies from the seventies, you absolutely see why they are classics and why people talk about them 40, 50 years later and why Hollywood still apes from them, still tries to branch their success from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like the be- the best zombie movies just have like you know practical effects, like Shaun the Dead when the guts are getting torn out of characters. So, you know, it just looks like real guts. You know, <laughs> dude, that was vicious when they're they're eating the biker gangs and they're just like, blah, blah, and they're just yeah, yeah. ripping their guts off. And one character screaming while his guts are being eaten. My favorite was the guy who decided in the middle of the zombie apocalypse. So they're like, oh, maybe I should get my blood test. Uh, oh, yeah. Tested. <laughs> well, he does it twice. Like he goes yeah. and then one of his boys pulls him off and then he realizes it's the end. So he just hooks himself up. He's like, I'm very <laughs> curious what my blood pressure is going to be. <laughs> this is important right now. <laughs> this is very important. It's good data, though. If you're like a scientist, you have to think like that's a, a data point that I want. Like, what is your blood pressure right before you get eaten by a zombie like you have to yeah. really look at it in that in that sense <laughs> as his fucking arm is getting torn off but it's still just like fucking tense up there it's yeah and one of the last shots you see in the mall is just of the arm sitting in the <laughs> the band or whatever mm. they should have showed us what the blood pressure was man that would have been a nice touch but yeah we, we need to see money. <clears throat> so I mean, I just love the music in the end of the movie too, of just like the da It really just adds to the humor right there. I mean, did you watch through the credits? I didn't watch through the credits because I watched it 15 minutes before we recorded. Um, uh, fair enough. <laughs> so uh, I, I didn't have that going for me. But yeah, I really, I enjoyed the music throughout. It was very, it, it was like this little synthy vibe, but mm-hmm. with all these like very primal downbeats on it, like mm-hmm. letting you know that like man is taking a step back in this movie. Like like this is hunters and gatherers and they they made their base the place to gather. Mm-hmm. Like where all the resources you could ever want and need are here. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> I am a star. I'm a star, I'm a star, I'm a star. I'm a big, bright, shining star. So we really haven't talked on the performances that much. And I think part of that is that in a setting like this, you just need the characters to be there and just their reactions to it. You don't need a ton of character definition. Um, Mm -hmm. We see that um, Flyboy and Francine's relationship get get strained a little Mm -hmm. more. Like you see, you see that tension um, when he tries to propose to her at that dinner, and she's like, "Now's not the time." And you could kind of see that heartbreak in him, and he's um, stare. You know, he keeps turning on the TV, and she's like, "What are we doing?" And she mm-hmm. she turns it off, and he goes and puts it back on because they're just waiting for any kind of hope whatsoever. You, you see, like their mental breaks in that. I'd like yeah, to imagine I... for Francine, she's just like, "You can't." get me an engagement ring that you stole from a store in a zombie apocalypse. I just can't take it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just like, come on. Uh, I think that Flyboy is my favorite performance in this. Um, upon rewatch, the humor really comes upon um, over and over again. And like the beginning of the movie and like throughout the movie, there's just a through line of Flyboy just getting cocked over and over and over again. Like he tries to shoot the zombies uh, in the shed or whatever. 
and he completely misses and almost kills uh what's his name peter yeah <laughs> and, and then like roger comes up he's like let me show you how the like, actual guy shoots a gun right here you asshole <laughs> just over and over and over again just him just getting rejected and just being like he doesn't know how to shoot a gun whatsoever he's just like he's not meant to survive in this world <laughs> No, and he almost does. Um, for me, I think it's Ken Forey as Peter. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he just his cool, calm, collected nature is what I needed in this movie. Like mm-hmm. if he wasn't there, everybody would have eaten themselves apart. But yeah, he was you... the boss. He was in control of this, and he had the exact definition of what these creatures are. They're us, that's all. There's no more room in hell. When there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk here. Right? He, he's just so cool, calm, and collected. Like, he has the definition of it. Like, that's that's our given definition of it, is that there was just no more room in hell. And again, it's another note on... Romero's commentary on society as it held like so many people the people that are dying most of them are going to hell right yeah. like it's just what he sees the world as at that point that there's not many good people and that hell is full and that's come to the earth and the other characters like you could see like Roger getting more reckless as time goes on and like that's why he ends up dying and Peter's like really the one character that like there are some cracks in him a little bit, but it's very subtle. It's just him, you know, in this scene at the beginning of the movie, just like killing all those people in the basement. You can see him just getting a little rattled by that. So, but I, I, for me, Flyboy is my favorite character. Just, and also because he has the best zombie performance in this whole movie. Oh, I think. yeah. He's fantastic as, as the zombie. Just the way he limps around and stuff like that. It's just so creepy and just unsettling. <laughs> really great physical performance by david mg and also we didn't really touch on roger like yeah he gets reckless and he's the first one to become a zombie out of the four of them Mm -hmm. and you could just tell how it was killing peter when he had to kill him like he was just sitting at him waiting and even his face just like when he's a zombie you can tell that he's almost like sad that he's a zombie because he's saying earlier in the scene before be like i'm gonna try not to do this i'm gonna try not to come back and just like oh you're you're gonna be a zombie roger sorry (laughs) yeah you you don't have a uh, you don't have a prayer, man. But very good performances, exactly what the movie needs. Tad out, mm. Shout out Tom Savini, also just for being a bad guy and just reveling in it. Like, he was yeah. awesome. Yeah. He was so <laughs> just... good. Like, I love when he takes the little comb out and he's just brushing his mustache. Like, yeah. so 70s. So campy in just, like, the perfect way. <laughs> oh, yeah. This movie revels in its camp. I, I don't think we've emphasized how campy this is. But it's mm. it's right for the tone of the movie. It makes a really dire and dour overtone that kind of surrounds this movie and makes mm. it really enjoyable for the audience to put themselves in that situation. It almost makes it seem fun, whereas, like, you know, at the end of the day, this movie is just depressing when you think about it. <laughs> but oh, just yeah. the tone, the tone isn't. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like a lot of modern zombie movies try to really play into the horror. Like, this movie isn't terrifying or scary but it's it utilizes the it it puts itself in a horror setting yeah and just turns the camp up to a lip and it plays more like an adventure movie almost absolutely (laughs) like there's the one of one of the pirates or the the bandits or whatever swinging down off the top of the barricade with the uh 
with the banner, like with yeah. a hammer, like slamming into them. So, like it's it's <laughs> it's just it's silly fun. Yeah, there's a fucking pie fight with zombies in the middle of this. <laughs> it's a really well toned movie, and like you could feel that in the edit of the movie. Like, like this movie was made in the editing room. You know, it was it, <laughs> they they caught a lot of footage, and they had to figure out how the hell they were going to cobble this all together. So it's a good thing we watched this cut because apparently, um, like the some of the other cuts are take out the humor more or something like that, and it's just like this the theatrical cut that we watched. Per- perfect amount, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Ah, are you ready, comedy partner? Waka waka. Tommy, would Dawn of the Dead 1978 work as a Muppet adaptation? I feel like almost 100%. Because, like, yeah. just seeing Muppet zombies would just be hilarious. And just like, like, we've been talking about horror movies, just like, I've seen like zombies, just like, instead of pulling out guts, it's just the felt. And they're eating the felt of the puppets as they're coming in. And you could just you could go so creative with all the Muppet designs too. Like they would have a field day making all the puppets for this. Yeah. Uh, it would be a lot of fun. I think the only person you keep as a human is Tom Savini. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> just just the, the crazy biker dude and everyone else is just a fucking uh, a zombie. <laughs> so Tommy, review time. Give me your score. So this is one of my favorite movies. Um, it's a movie that like I discovered when I was in middle school and I just ate it up. Like I re- wanted to watch the commentary. It's just a, became a hangout movie where I just wanted to watch this over and over and over again because it really had that feel to it. And just great special effects and just a great little campy tone to it and just toes a line of just greatness. So I'm going to give this five out of five. It's uh, rewatchable. I literally watched this yesterday. And then when Timmy was like talking about whatever cut he was trying to find on YouTube, I was like, fuck, I'm going to watch this movie again. So back to back 24 hours. I've seen this movie twice. I love this. <laughs> so this movie was really enjoyable to me. I love the pace of this movie. I love the tone of it. I love that Romero is able to sprinkle in his overtones uh, and his commentary on America without be- beating you over the head. It's just the setting, right? And that's the place where he decides to do it. For me, I'm going to give it a four to five. I think it's like the ending's really clunky because they had two different endings that that they made, which is fine. Mm -hmm. I totally get that. And it's honestly a miracle that they were able to cobble that together because they probably filmed it one way and then realized real quick, like watching a daily being like, oh, shit. Yeah, no, this won't work. This this just will not match what we're seeing on the film here. Um, Four to five. Really fun movie. Really iconic pretty much every zombie media ever made from that point on owes homage to this movie Mm. and you can really see why it's had such a legacy so tommy any final thoughts uh thank you guys so much for listening um you can follow us on social media uh at scenic pod that's on twitter instagram and tiktok and leave us a five-star review on apple spotify wherever you get your podcast really helps us out and next week, we're heading to Haddonfield, and we're going to cover our John Carpenter's Halloween, a movie that Timmy has also never seen. Yeah, I mean, you can just <laughs> chalk that up every October we do Halloween. I'm just, I'm giving you full control. <laughs> yeah, it's the one time where I get full control over our schedule. So get ready, and we're going to have a fun special guest for that one. So, Thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you next week. <laughs>